Good morning. Doesn't that breeze feel good? Alex, there are some goldfish if you want to go get some. Will that? Oh, no? Okay. You just looked really hungry for a while. Okay. So, we are in, wrap up the, the uh, first chapter of John this morning. Come and see. A little bit of review. If you have your notes, you can kind of follow along in your notes and uh, kind of keep track of where, where we're going and what's happening. Uh, John, I'm going to read from verses 32 through 34. John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. He remained upon him. And that would be he remained upon Jesus of Nazareth. I did not know him, but he, and that would be God the Father, who sent me to baptize with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is he who gives the new birth. This is he who comes into our hearts and lives. So John was familiar with this guy, Jesus of Nazareth. They were cousins. I mean, they probably grew up together, played together, but until he baptized Jesus, he didn't really know who he was. God the Father had said, I'm going to send you baptizing. And I've always wondered why uh, the Lord had John baptized, because it wasn't really a Jewish custom. But he says, I'm going to send you baptizing and getting people ready for the Messiah to come because that's the way you're going to know who he is. And so John's baptizing, and his, his cousin comes to be baptized. And in the midst of the baptism, God the Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, comes down upon Jesus. And John's going, whoa, this is him. This is Messiah. I've been looking for him. And then we read in the other Gospels that God the Father spoke, and this is my Son in whom I, in whom I am well pleased. So John the Baptist both saw and heard the testimony. We read verse 34. Now I have seen, and I would add according to the other Gospels, and I have heard, and I testify, this is my personal testimony. This man is the Son of God. He's here. And he's saying to the whole world, follow him. And this is an example in Scripture. If you look at your notes, that this is one of the many examples in Scripture that just clearly shows that we have a triune God. Three persons in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God the Son, was being baptized. God the Holy Spirit was coming down upon him, literally could be seen. And God the Father, at the same moment, was speaking, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. 
So John the Baptist has more to say about Jesus' identity. Let's look at those again, verse 35. These are the first disciples that are being called, are being chosen. Again the next day, verse 35, John, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples. Underline the word his. He's looking at Jesus as he walked, and he turns and he says, that's him. That's the Lamb of God. Of course, that would have incredible significance to the Jewish people. The Lamb of God was the sacrificial lamb upon whom would bear the sins of the people and they could be forgiven. And that was why Jesus came to this earth. And that's what John the Baptist is saying. He's here. Ultimately, he's the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sins of the world. And so, the Lamb of God and the two disciples, verse 37, they heard him speak. They left John and they started following Jesus. The Baptist was real, a true minister. The Baptist had one thing. He wasn't building his ministry. Yes, he had disciples, but they were for one purpose and one reason only. He was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was, he, was, he was a true minister. He didn't draw people to himself. These two were his disciples. But he says, no, look, there's the Lamb of God. And literally he's, he's saying, follow him. He's pushing people to Jesus. This is who we should be as a church family. We should have one thing and one thing in focus. And it's not about building up this church family. It's not about us uh, growing in numbers. It's all about each of us being pushed closer to Jesus. And as we're pushed closer to Jesus and we fall in love with Him, guess what happens? We can't help but share His love with others. And the Lord takes care of everything else. That's why I love the ministry of John, if, if you've been, maybe you've seen uh, the Chosen, uh, a, a new video series that's out through VidAngel, and you just capture the the exuberance and and the and the faith and the life of Jesus and those that He's calling, and John the Baptist, when they talked about him, they called him Creepy John, Crazy John. He's out there. He's baptizing people. He's pointing to Jesus. And, and the excitement is stirring. Who is this Jesus? And they're, be, they're getting to know Him because of John. And that's what the Lord wants to happen in this community, through this church, through each of us, that there is a growing excitement about meeting Jesus, looking to Jesus crying out to Jesus for the needs that we might have as a community, as a country, as a family. And Jesus is going to say, this is what you need to do. Uh, and, and we'll get to that really quick. So they're following Jesus. Look at verse 38. And then Jesus turned. He's seeing these guys following him. And he's, 
he says, well, what do you seek? And they go, um, Rabbi, that is to say, translated teacher, uh, where are you staying? <laughs> so Jesus stops, turns, and he goes, what are you guys doing? You're following me. And they go, well, well, well the Baptist, he, he said that you're the Son of God. He said that you're the Lamb of God. He says you're the one that's going to take away the, our sins and the sins of the world. You're the one that we've been seeking. You're the Messiah. And we want to know where we can find you again. That's what they're saying. And I love Jesus' response. He simply says to them, verse 39, as we start, start that verse, he just says, well, come and see. Follow me. Come and see. See who I am. See how much I love you. Follow me and you'll, you'll discover for yourself that I truly am the one, the anointed one, the Messiah who has come into this world. You'll find that I'm the one that your heart hungers for. I'm the one that will give you life and life worth living. And you know he extends that same invitation to anyone. There was a time in my life where I go, Lord, I don't deserve to be able to follow you. And he simply said to me, that's why I went to the cross. To open the door for you to be mine. Changed my life. Changed my heart. Come and see, he says. The psalmist put it this way. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Who trusts in him. So we finish verse 39. So they came, they saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. And then he says something really fascinating. Now it was about the tenth hour. And I thought about that. In one sense, when they came, they never went away, they stayed with him, they never left. And so radically was their lives changed as they began to follow and walk with and get to know Messiah Jesus, their Savior. They accepted that invitation. They literally remembered the very hour that that happened, the tenth hour. That's when their pilgrimage with Jesus began. Now, if you've been around for a while, like I have, if you're older and I have a question for you if you're in my age group era do you remember the place and the time and the situation you were in when the news came to you that President Kennedy had been assassinated I remember that vividly I was a freshman in high school at Dinuba High School I was in PE class I was lined up on my number against the gym and the coach comes out and he says, I've got something to share with you guys. And he shared with us. And we began to cry. I can close my eyes and I can see that time and that place. It's such a vivid memory. Or maybe a few years ago when the Twin Towers were hit. Where were you? Do you remember that time and place? I remember 
we were sitting in the appraisal office, and Chris goes, Dad, Dad, look at this. And I saw the Twin Towers burning. I'll never forget that point in that place. Well, my point is this. The 10th hour, that's when we met this man. That's when we got to know Jesus. When did you get to know Jesus? Do you remember that moment? That, that radical moment in your life? And if you don't know him personally, maybe today is the day that will become that radical moment for you that you'll never forget. And Jesus is saying to you, come and see who I am. Give your heart to me. Come and see. His invitation is still good today. Well, verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew. And this was Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41. He first found his own brother Simon. And he said to Simon, You're, you're not going to believe who we found. We found Messiah which translated is to Christ. And if you know anything about uh, Andrew, you know he was one of those special kind of guys that just loved introducing people to Jesus. So he first grabs his brother, and of course later Jesus will use his brother Simon, his his brother Peter, to introduce on the day of Pentecost 3,000 new people to the Lord Jesus. It's also Simon excuse me, Andrew, who brought the little boy, remember, with fishes and the loaves? And then Jesus fed the whole crowd with them. And then at one of the feast days, uh, Andrew overheard some some Greeks asking, uh, where is this Jesus? We would see Jesus. And Andrew goes, well, here, let me take you to Jesus. Let me introduce you to him. He was... was a big brother, uh, he was, excuse me, he knew his big brother would be very excited about meeting this Jesus. And I thought about that. Sometimes the little brothers actually have something worthwhile listening to. My big brother, I've heard him say to some people, oh yeah, this is my little brother. He's my senior pastor, you know. <laughs> and uh, this was Andrew. And this is the heart that the Lord wants us to have, like Andrew, introducing people to Jesus. And he brought him to Jesus, verse 42. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You're Simon, son of Jonah, but I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change who you are. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Peter literally means stone, Petra in the Greek. You're Simon, you're like shifting sand, you're impulsive, you're foot in your mouth, you shouldn't have said that, you talk before you think. And, but I see you and I'm going to change your whole life. And you're be, going to become more and more like me. Stick with me, Peter. You're going to see wonderful changes in your life. That's a a moment in Peter's life that he never forgot. 
verses 43 through 51, we've got a couple more disciples that are going to meet Jesus. Verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. The reason he wanted to go to Galilee was a divine appointment. Look at this. So he's going to Galilee. There's a divine appointment. The Lord has divine appointments going every day. There's nothing more fun than being part of a divine appointment with Jesus. But here we go. So it says, he found Philip. And he just says to Philip, follow me. Remember, these are snapshots of things happening in the Gospels. We, we kind of fill in all the other things that happen in between the, the snapshots. But this is a, a picture, a snapshot of Jesus finding Philip. And he says, follow me. Verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Maybe Andrew was talking to Jesus and saying, I've got this buddy, this, and Philip, and man, you would love to meet him. He's an incredible guy, a great friend. Well, we don't know. But he has this divine appointment. He finds Philip. And verse 45, Philip found Nathanael. So he goes and finds his friend. And he said to him, We have found him. We've found Jesus, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. We found Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This cracks me up. Look at verse 43. It says, Jesus found Philip and said, follow me. Verse 45, Philip says, no, I found the Lord. <laughs> well, which is it? I think both, somehow, in God's economy. Oh, I found the Lord back in 1967 at Dinuba at the First Baptist Church. I found the Lord. But I later learned that he had been seeking me my whole life. He had been seeking me my whole life. In truth, it's Jesus that found me that day. We don't find Jesus. He seeks for us. The Bible puts it this way, Luke 19:10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I had a mother come up to me this morning and share with me as we've been praying uh, on the back page of the bulletin. We've been praying for all of our service members. We've, we've all been praying, right? You've been praying? Okay. Not like we should, huh? We, should, we need to be praying more. But this is a reminder of how God answers our prayers. Well, this mother came up to me and shared, you'll never guess what's happened. God brought someone into my son's life that loves the Lord. And now my son has grown up in the church, but now God has brought him to a place to where he's seeking the Lord again because God brought someone into his life. 
Isn't that incredible how the Lord works? So don't stop praying. Be faithful in prayer. The Son of Man came to seek and to save and to love and to bring to himself anyone who would open their hearts to him. He's after us because he loves us. So Nathaniel, let's get back to Nathaniel. He was a student of Scripture. We think that he was probably the Bible the studious one, the Bible student of a whole bunch of all the disciples that were called to Jesus. And he knew the promise of Micah 5 too. He knew that the Messiah would not come from Nazareth of all places. He would come from Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah would come from. But he, he goes, verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, as we finish verse 46, we'll come and see. And Nathaniel raised a very legitimate question. This doesn't fit Scripture. How can this man be Messiah? It's not according to Scripture. But Philip wasn't thrown off course. Somehow Philip knew in his heart, well, I don't know about all this Scripture stuff, but I know that I've met this man. And I know that he's the Messiah. Uh, I just know it in my heart. He's the real deal. We know the story of Bethlehem. We know how that all took place. But these guys didn't know all the details at this time. All they knew is that Jesus was of Nazareth at this time. Here's the, here's the thing about biblical faith. When you meet Jesus and you begin to trust him with your lives, you know in your heart of hearts that all questions, no matter what they might be about, they will be answered in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Philip said to Nathaniel, you need to come talk with Jesus. He'll answer your questions. I have full confidence in him. So verse 47, here comes Nathanael. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. Good for Nathanael. He had this question about Scripture. This can't be the Messiah. But if my buddy says he's the Messiah, I'm going to at least come and see. Even though he had these questions, his invitation, he took him up on it. Now, when he got there, Jesus could have simply answered his question. He could have said, I know you got a theological question about me. Well, here's the deal, buddy. I was born in Bethlehem. Oh, but Jesus does something here that's fascinating to me. He goes much deeper and much more personal with Nathaniel to show him that he was to Christ. And it's very fascinating how he did it. I believe this is how Jesus will meet anyone. If we're willing to come and see, if we're willing to open our heart to Jesus, if we're willing to pray something like, well, Lord, if you are real, I'll open my heart to you. Would you reveal yourself to me? 
Well, here comes Nathaniel. He's still questioning. He's still wondering. And Jesus, as we finish verse 47, Jesus said of him, Behold, he says, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Now, to you and I, this might not mean a great deal, but to Nathaniel, it blew his mind. Why is that? Well, the word deceit Jesus used here about him to capture his attention. And as I read McGee's thoughts on this, he puts it this way. He says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob, no deceit. You see, although this man is a doubter, he's not deceitful or cunning. There's nothing of the old Jacob in him. He's an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. Well, let's see how this unfolds as we get into this, that Jesus would use that word deceit because it's referring to Jacob and who Jacob was before he wrestled with the Lord and gave his heart to the Lord. So Nathanael said to him, verse 48, how do you know me? How on earth? Do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Well, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Jesus really has Nathaniel's attention now. How do you know me? How do you know where I was? And how do you on earth do you know what I was doing? And as, we, as I've studied this passage, what I'm realizing is that Nathaniel was most likely pondering Genesis 28, the story of Mr. Deceit himself, Jacob, and Jacob's ladder in the wilderness as he was running from his, his big brother that was after him. He had deceived Esau. And he was in trouble if the Lord doesn't protect him. And it's the story of Jacob's ladder that Jesus will refer to a little bit later. And Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree and you were reading about Mr. Deceit. And I see that in your heart there's no deceit. I, I see your heart, Nathaniel. And you'll see that Nathaniel understood exactly what Jesus was saying as we read the next verses. Let's look at those. Verse 49. And Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, though it doesn't seem to fit with, with Scripture, you are the Son of God. You are King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? Oh, you're going to see greater things than these. I, just simply because I made reference to what you were reading about and, 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 and I saw you. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. And he said to him, Most assuredly, Verse 51, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open 
and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Think back to the story, Nathaniel, Jesus is saying to him. The ladder you were reading about that, that Jacob saw, that ladder was me. I met Jacob in the wilderness. The passage was about who I am. And I am the ladder between heaven and earth. I am the direct connection to eternity. And Jesus in John 14 tells his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. I wasn't under a fig tree. I wasn't really even reading scripture. But I, I loved football. And I was in my junior year, and I had visited my brother in Escondido, and, the, and they were going on a, on a, a Mexico trip. And uh, Coach Embry was the high school coach at Escondido High School. And he had a son, Bobby, who was my age, and we were friends. And so I was at Coach Embry's house, uh, and I was headed back home in Escondido and driving back to Dinuba. And Coach Embry was one of those coaches that in the, in the previous 10 years, he had won six CIF championships in San Diego County. He was an incredible coach. But more than that, he loved the Lord with all his heart. And he would take the guys uh, on a backpack trip every summer. And my brother would would share Jesus with them. And he was such a fantastic coach. I considered leaving Dinuba High School, moving in with my brother uh, to be a part of his team, but I knew that if I did that, I probably wouldn't make the cut. <laughs> he was such a fantastic coach. And so I'm sitting in his living room. I'm ready to go. And he asks me, uh, do you have enough money to make sure you can get something to eat and, and if you need gas, to put gas in your car? And I go, I'm okay, coach, I'm okay. And then he leaves. He walks down the hall. Evidently, his wife was in the bedroom, and they're talking. And I can, the hall is like a megaphone, comes back to me. And he goes, I need to, I need to give uh, Lee some money to make sure that he can get home okay, and he's going to be okay. Well, we don't have any money. The little bit of money that we have, and teachers didn't get paid very much in those days, uh, is, is for groceries. We just don't have any money. No, I have to do this. God's put this on my heart. I'm hearing all of this. And so he walks out, and it would be like giving me a $100 bill today. And I was just blown away that he would care that much for me. About a year later, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he says, you know when Coach Embry did that for you? That was me reaching out to you. That was me seeking you that day. Well, he got my attention. And when he reminded me, about Coach Emery. That's the day that I gave my heart to Jesus. See, the Lord is seeking 
us. He loves us so very much. He met me right where I was. He met me at the point that I cared about the most. And he will do the same for you. If you have questions, if, if, if you have struggles, all you have to do is come to him and say, Lord, help me. Come and see Jesus. Well, Nathaniel, the next three years, as he came to Jesus, all his questions would be answered. He would see the miraculous and the angelic. He would see that Jesus was the latter, the direct connection to heaven itself. He would see unbelievable proof that Jesus was divine, the very son of the living God. And then he would see Jesus after he rose from the grave. Later on in his life, he would choose to give his life as a sacrifice that others might come to know his Savior. So we close this first chapter. Just a reminder of what we've seen. Tyler, come on up. Remember Jesus is the Word. The Logos that became flesh, became one of us. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the Lamb. And Jesus is the ladder. He will be all of that and more to you if you open your heart and your life and your future and your eternity to him. And my hope is that everyone that is here today will come and see and you will find for yourself just who Jesus is. Let's stand and dismiss our service.